Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast, FYI. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. It is October the 1st, 2022. Thank you for joining me this morning. Residential schools in Canada, and of course, all COVID-19 restrictions at the federal level have been Well, good morning. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. Effective today, October the 1st, all federal travel restrictions have been lifted for all travelers, including international travelers coming to Canada. Now, we know, you know, since the beginning of this pandemic, um, it has, you know, really played a lot of havoc on on the world, on society, on everybody. The government implementing uh, the border travel rules. saying that, you know, um, that even Canadians entering back into Canada would have to fill out the Arrive Can app and that, you know, at one time it did not include the essential workers and truck drivers. And then they included the, the essential workers and truck drivers. And that sparked probably uh, one of the largest protests that we ever seen in this country back in January and February. Now, the United States also implemented uh, travel rules at the borders that anybody entering the United States would have to have proof of vaccination. Now, as the situation evolved over the last couple, two and a half years, now as the pandemic situation has continually evolved, adjustments to the border measures have been informed by the latest evidence, available data, operational considerations, both here in Canada and internationally. So the government announced the removal of all COVID-19 entry restrictions, as well as testing, quarantine, and isolation requirements for anyone entering Canada, effective October the 1st, 2022. Now, as of today, October the 1st, all travelers, regardless of citizenship, will no longer have to submit public health information through the ArriveCan app or website. They will not have to provide proof of vaccinations. They will not have to undergo pre or on arrival testing. They will not have to carry out COVID-19 related quarantines or isolations. And they will not have to monitor or report if they develop signs of symptoms of COVID-19 upon arriving in Canada. And the Transport Canada is also removing existing travel requirements as October October the 1st. Travelers will no longer be required to undergo health checks for travel and air and rail or wear masks on planes and trains. Although the masking requirements is being lifted, they're just asking travelers, you know, to be cautious. Wear a mask if you feel that you want to do that. 
Now, they're also reminding people from who are traveling to Canada if that they if they do have symptoms of COVID nineteen, don't travel. Now, the government of Canada also reminds travelers to make informed decisions when considering travel outside of Canada to protect their health and safety. And that's, I mean, if we're going to the United States or Europe or anywhere we're going, use an, make an informed decision. I mean, we're capable of doing that. Now, Thanks to largely to Canadians who have rolled up their sleeves to get vaccinated. So we have reached the point where we can safely, safely lift the sanitary measures at the border. And however, we expect COVID-19 and other respiratory viruses will continue to circulate over the, over the cold months. Flu season. The pandemic is not over. It's not been officially announced that the pandemic is over. Now, since the time, you know, when the government did implement these rules at at, uh, the borders here in Canada, anybody flying into Canada, You know, 90% of the trucking industry here in Canada got vaccinated. And then during that time, you know, January and February, when they had that big demonstration in Ottawa, and I talked about this before. That truckers who did not get vaccinated wanted you to believe that they could no longer work. When there was plenty of domestic trucking jobs available. And even if they were owner operators, they'd be able to still work. They wanted you to believe that they couldn't. They want you to believe that the government prevented them from working. And that's not the case. I'm a trucker myself. Now, the United States, there has been no information for anybody like Canadians traveling into the United States. They have not lifted that border restriction. So as it stands right now, Canadians getting, you know, um, getting ready to, to travel. I mean, just to go across the border to go shopping, you know, border cities, you know, like Sarnia and in Windsor and Fort Erie, you know, whether they're going into, uh, whether they're going into Buffalo or whether they're going, you know, into, uh, well, New York and, and Michigan, you still have to show proof that you're vaccinated going into the United States. Now, whether the United States government lifts those measures, 
that's what remain to be seen. But as it stands right now, all the travel restrictions for Canada You can come here. Now, of course, when travelers are coming, international travelers are coming to Canada, travelers must follow all provincial and territory COVID-19 requirements. Foreign nationals must still meet the entry requirements under the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act provide appropriate travel and immigration documentations as necessary, as necessary, like they always have. All carriers will no longer need to validate the travelers have entered information in the arrived can app before boarding. Travelers today, October 1st, travelers who enter Canada um, in the 14 days prior to October 1st will not be required to complete the remainder of their quarantine or isolation or complete their testing requirements. So if you're here 14 days prior, you don't have to complete it. And we travelers will not have to submit their quarantine and vaccination information through the Arrive Can app. They can continue to use it as the optional advanced declaration features on the Arrive Can app. So you just put in your information of who you are, your passport, uh, your passport and all that stuff. It's like, it's like being transmitted electronically ahead of time. Save you a lot of time at the border. Coming into the airports, you still have to go through Canada Customs at the airport. So, I mean, it's up to you I mean, as a traveler, as an international traveler coming to Canada. You can still use that Arrive Can app. And maybe at some point in time, you know, like they do with, with, with truck drivers. When we're crossing into the United States, everything is sent beforehand electronically. But it doesn't mean you're not subject to inspection because you randomly can be ran, randomly chosen for secondary inspection. So, you know, with the, um, so the, so this feature is currently available to travelers arriving at the Toronto Pearson, Vancouver, Montreal airports. And it will expand to Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, the Billy, uh, the Billy uh, Bishop, Toronto City, Ottawa, Quebec City, Halifax, international airports in, in the coming months. See, they may turn around and um, have it so that the Arrive Can app um, is a useful tool for people coming to Canada. Like I say, for, you know, pre pre arrival, you know, and, and speed things up at, at, at our, uh, at our airports and, and even land borders. You know, it only takes a few moments to, to fill it out, send it off, and go on your journey. So the uh, CB, the, so the Canadian border will continue to make technology available at the border to speed up travelers' entry and enhance the safety and security of Canadians. So they're exploring other optional ArriveCan features to provide travelers with easy access to information such as border wait times and other self-serve functions. This will be this will be expanded to travelers by land, 
so they can make use of available technology to expedite and and facilitate their travel. And that's down the road. So now, um, you know, ladies and gentlemen, it's, um, you know, yesterday, September the 30th. It was the Truth and Reconciliation Day about the residential schools that operated from the mid-1800s to the last residential school being closed in 1996. And these residential schools where the indigenous people of Canada were forced to attend. So truth Truth about what happened. The reconciliation is to reconcile. That all government, all churches who were involved will need to reconcile with the indigenous people of Canada. Now back in July, Pope Francis came to Canada to apologize for their involvement of the residential school system. Now, who is behind this? Who was the architect of the residential school system? Sir A. Macdonald the first Prime Minister of Canada. Colonialism. Colonial. To colonize. Europeans coming to Canada to settle. And where the indigenous people were already here. Sir A. Macdonald, the first Prime Minister of Canada, It came about that he felt, and then back in the day, in the mid-1800s, indigenous people were called Indians.
or they're called savages. For over a century, Canada held a dark secret all across the country. Officials forcibly took nearly 150,000 indigenous children away from their parents and sent them off to abusive residential schools. These schools, which operated from 1883 to 1996, banned students from speaking their native languages or practicing their cultural beliefs. Many of these students faced systemic abuse on a regular basis. Even worse, some children mysteriously banished on the school grounds. Thousands of kids, some estimated range from 10,000 to 50,000, simply never came home. Though some ran away, thousands more died at the schools. Today, as the remains are slowly recovered from school grounds across the country, the indigenous leaders are demanding answers. And rightfully so. These answers remain elusive, but they also represent the tragic end of a hundred year old story, which is finally seeing the light of day. Racism not only towards indigenous people, but other cultures, black, people from the Middle East, people from India. People from all different walks of life who are not white face racism on a daily basis. You know, settlers began arriving in Canada in the 16th century. Indigenous people had already lived there for, for hundreds or maybe thousands of years. At first, the settlers and the indigenous people tried to coexist peacefully. In 1701, they agreed to share the territory like a dish with two spoons. But the peace didn't last. By the 19th century, settlers had begun to demand more access to land across Canada. Land that belonged to the indigenous people. And many of these settlers ascribed to the British Empire's belief that they had a duty to civilize indigenous people. In 1857, the Gradual Civilization Act mandated that indigenous men learn English and French. The act also demanded that they disavow their traditional names and adopt government approved names instead, like yours and my name. In 1883, Canada opted to go one step further, the governments decided to use schools as a way to assimilate indigenous children at an early age. Now for this to happen, 
in order for these Indian residential schools to be successful, argued Sir John A. Macdonald, the first prime minister of Canada, the indigenous children must be removed from their parents. These are his words. When the school is on the reserve, the child lives with its parents who are savages. MacDonald declared in 1883. And though he may learn to read and write, his habits and training and mode of thought are Indian. He insisted that they must be taken from their parental influence. He said they should spend their childhood in schools where they will require their habits and modes of thought of white men. And around that time, before long, about 150 schools run by Catholic, Anglican, United, and the Presbyterian churches open across Canada in, partner, in, part, in partnership with the federal government. But they sought to do more than simply educate the kids. The Indian residential schools in Canada aim to eliminate the children's indigenous knowledge and identity altogether. Stuck them from their heritage, their language, their culture. cut the men's hair really short and then dress them in white man's clothing. I want to get rid of the Indian problem stated Duncan Campbell, Duncan Campbell Scott, the former Deputy Minister of Indian Affairs in 1920. Duncan Campbell Scott continued, I do not think as a matter of fact that the country ought to continuously protect a class of people who are unable to stand alone. Our objective is to continue until there is not a single Indian in Canada that has not been absorbed into the body politic. That just is that just blows my freaking mind. The indigenous people in Canada had no choice in the matter at all. Whether they were members of the First Nations, the Inuit, the Metis, government officials just showed up at their doors and took their children. One survivor, I was forcibly removed, taken, kidnapped by Roman Catholic priest and a government man in August of 1958, so that I could be taken like all of my generation of the Inuit to go to residential schools where we were taken from our parents. Sometimes, far too often, the children never came home. And it wasn't like they took them a short distance. They traveled long ways. If they were in Alberta, they were, they were moved to Manitoba. They were moved to Ontario. They were moved so far away 
It's not like they could just walk back home. Those who survived the ordeal often described a terrifying atmosphere of violence and abuse at the hands of priests, nuns, and other staff members at the schools. And these are the stories of survivors speaking the truth. You know, growing up, none of this, none of this stuff, none of the things about residential schools were taught in our history class. None. And even in 1996, when the prime minister then apologized to the indigenous people about residential schools, computers were just coming out. And you probably couldn't search it anyways, because it just would not be available. Stories of people, of the indigenous people, they made us believe we didn't have souls. Recall suffering physical abuse as staff members attempted to scare her away from her indigenous identity and discourage her from practicing her her culture. They pounded it into us. And really, they were very mean. When I say pounding, she means pounding. Others recall suffering sexual abuse at residential schools. An individual attended a residential school remembers hearing about male supervisors who gave out chocolate bars to students. And when Jones went to get some, the man sexually abused him. Another survivor talks about, he remembers that his best friend killed himself after being sexually assaulted by a priest. This is the second year of truth and reconciliation. It's going to fall on September the 30th of every year. Now the government made it a federal holiday Other provinces across Canada did not make it a stat holiday. They recognize the truth and reconciliation. But should it be a statutory holiday for all?
And I think it, I think it's time that all of us, you know, learn something new, learn something different. Learn their, learn their, their culture, their heritage. Understand who they are. And that goes for other nationalities too. Some of the students died from diseases like the flu and stuff like that. Others just simply vanished. Their parents never learned what happened to them. Although sometimes Canadian authorities said they'd run away. They had run away. The ongoing search for answers. You know, more than a decade after Canada's last residential school closed, 1996, the government finally began to reevaluate the school's place in Canadian history. In 2008, the Canadian government offered Indigenous people a formal apology. And in 2015, Canada's Truth and Reconciliation Commission determined the school's were guilty of cultural genocide. The commission report also named some 3,200 students who had died while they're at the residential schools. But many indigenous leaders believe the number could be much higher, possibly in the tens of thousands and in recent years, they've gone to find proof for themselves. In 2001 in Kamloops, where this Indian residential school, they used ground penetrating radar and tragically they found 215 small bodies on the grounds last year and a few weeks later at another residential school ground property they used the ground penetrating radar to uncover as many as 751 children's bodies at the since demolished Mariel Indian Residential School. And what they've been trying to tell us all along and not believing it just brushing it under the carpet want to just make it go away the government the catholic church the united church presbyterian church other christian groups
We need to know who died. We need to know how they died. We need to know who was responsible for their deaths or for their care at the time that they died. We need to know why the families weren't informed. And we didn't know where the children are buried. And in the end, finding the answers to these questions remains the goal of countless indigenous peoples across Canada. For 100 years, the Indian residential schools took their children. Now they want to bring them home. Sir A. Macdonald, the first Prime Minister of Canada, is the architect. Of the residential school system. I don't pretend. I can't. Imagine or even being able to comprehend of what the indigenous people of Canada went through and is still going through. baffles my mind that this even happened in the first place. Why, why were we not taught about any of this in our history classes? Government didn't want you to know about it. After reading about the history of residential schools in Canada, take a look at the unmarked graves uncovered at the Arthur G. Dozier School in Florida. Then learn about the mass graves found at the site of the Tulsa massacre. See, Sir John A. Macdonald want to learn about the residential schools in the United States and then adapt it here in Canada on which he did. These stories that we hear from survivors our truth. We set aside September 30th for truth and reconciliation. And indigenous people all across this land They share their stories, but they also want to share their, they want to share their culture. They want to share their heritage. This is why I think 
on, on September the 30th that it should be a statutory holiday. So we can go out into the communities, you know, where indigenous people are, are putting on this of, of displays of their culture and their heritage. And we go out there and talk to them. And just maybe we'll have some sort of understanding. I can't, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, I cannot. I mean, even just talking about it, you know, and telling you about these residential schools. It is disturbing. It is as though that the government back then never even looked at indigenous people as though they were human. They were animals, they were savages. We're going to fix this Indian problem. Well, you wouldn't have an Indian problem if you didn't show the fuck up. Colonialism. Colonize. European settlers. Stands back far back as... as with, with, with the British. You know, the, uh, the First World War, when Canadians entered that war, it was for king and country. We fought under the British rule. It was all about the white man taking over. That even then they felt that they were the superior race. Everybody, everybody is different. It was meant to be that way. But racism? has gone on for centuries. And still today. How we treat, how we treat each other, how we treat people from other cultures and other race.
stand in their shoes for a day, walk a mile in their shoes, and then tell me what you think. And how they're still being treated, how they're still being treated today by certain groups. White supremacy. How do we how do we perceive the indigenous people of Canada today? Some people will perceive them as alcoholics, welfare case. Liars. Criminals. really sad it's really ridiculous to even think that way we need to stamp out racism we need to stand up against racism. And you think by now that we would learn, we would learn something. This is the 21st century. See, ladies and gentlemen, we weren't born racist. Racism is taught. And from the mid-1800s and even before and after, And when we have the indigenous people of Canada speak about these atrocities, and the government can't say they didn't know. that wouldn't be truth. Or they just didn't believe them. Shame. on our governments back then and shame on our governments today. And I believe that the residential school system should be taught in our history classes and that the truth be told. So we can help possibly with their healing. It's going to take a really long time. Recognizing the truth 
and then begin to reconcile isn't going to happen overnight. The struggles going on today for the indigenous people all across Canada. The lack of housing, the lack of safe drinking water, the lack of, of, of medical. And I say that because depending on where they are living in this country, living in the far north, living in places where things have to be flown in, all their supplies, all their food, not having all the resources that we have here in society in the big major cities and all the multi, uh, um, multipolitan, metropolitan areas. And give them the same opportunities. Give them the same opportunities that we take for granted today. Better health care for them. Providing with better addiction services. education, employment, was part of the 94 calls to action. Healthcare, education, housing, Out of the 94 calls to action, they've accomplished 20. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to get all 94 calls to action, which they should. but it's one step at a time for truth and reconciliation. As we move forward, with the truth and reconciliation and the 94 calls to action. We have the apology from the Catholic Church spoken from the Pope publicly apologizing to the role the Catholic Church played in the in the residential school system saying sorry is one thing
but a call to action with that apology is another. We can say sorry all we want. Saying sorry now you have to have action behind those words. That is only one small piece. Of what's going on. Every September the 30th, moving forward, will be Truth and Reconciliation Day here across Canada. Whether all provinces and territories mark it as a statutory holiday or it's just a recognition of what took place in the residential schools. That will be remain to be seen. Highly unlikely that it will not be a stat holiday all across Canada. But to observe the day is really important. It's also orange t-shirt day or orange shirt day. That if you wear orange that day, that you stand alongside with the indigenous people of Canada. And you stand with them. I want to thank you for coming out this morning here on the 1st of October. Thank you for joining me this morning. And I will be back out here tomorrow morning at 9.30 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. So if you can join me then, that's great. If you can, I, I, I understand. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the rest of your weekend. And uh, we will talk again tomorrow. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. This is the Truckers Podcast, FYI. Thank you. Take care.